This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Take your Bibles. Please turn to Acts, the first chapter. Those who are in the military know that preparation for a mission is vital, isn't it? Not just having the right equipment, but being prepared mentally, being prepared physically. And the Lord Jesus, before he goes back to heaven, completely, thoroughly equipped his disciples to carry on his work. He gave them all the teaching that they needed. He prepared them mentally, and in the text we're going to be in today shows how, how he Help them to think correctly about the task that was before them. But then he's also going to prepare them physically. He makes a promise in the text we'll see where he's going to give them the other comforter, the Holy Spirit, who is just like himself because as God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they are one in that wonderful, powerful trinity. In the book of Acts, Dr. Luke explains to a government official named Theophilus, who is likely a believer at this time. I wonder, and I I think it's probably true, that the gospel of Luke was written, and again directed to this man to try to draw him to Christ, believe that he did come to know the Lord based on some things that we pointed out earlier. But now Paul or uh, Luke is writing to this man again, I believe, to help him in his sanctification and understand God's call on his life. And in this writing, it's really a letter, but it's, it's a history it's a store, it's multiple stories about what God did. He's also going to show Theophilus and us what the Holy Spirit was going to do through the church powerfully to impact the world for Christ. Luke wrote these accounts, again as a narrative, and I believe that that's how they should be preached. So today I want you to join me on a hill. It's a mountain, but you have to understand the Mount of Olives is on another mountain. There's a central mountain spine that goes through Israel. Jerusalem, Bethlehem, Hebron all sit up on that mountain spine. And then around Jerusalem there are some other small mountains. And just to the east of Jerusalem is the Mount of Olives. So uh, join me up there today. All right, we're going to go, and as we ascend up there, here's what we're going to see, that off in an area where there are probably some olive groves, all right, overseated there, we see a group of men, and they are looking to one man who is teaching them. Now, whether the teaching started as they went up the mountain or whether they all got up there together, the Lord directed them up there, and and now he's teaching them as as they're gathered around him. Uh, We're going to have to ask the apostles later those specifics. 
But here we are on top of this mountain. The opposition to Jesus seems to have lessened a bit. Jesus has been with them 40 days. He's met them in various places up in Galilee, back in Jerusalem. And, and you get the sense that things have kind of settled down since Jesus' death and resurrection. Part of the reason for that is because people have been paid off to peddle the lie that the disciples had stolen Jesus' body. And so there may be still talk in the streets about Jesus, but really, uh, people have kind of moved on with their lives, at least for now. And then we come to this in Acts 1 and verse 6. When they therefore were come together. Again, the result of 40 days, many infallible proofs. Uh, they have seen the resurrected Lord. He's teaching them about the kingdom. They're all together. Verse 3 says that they, the discussion had been about the kingdom. They asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? Now let's take a closer look here. That's an interesting question. We're listening in. We're watching this. How's Jesus going to respond to this? Now, because you are all Greek scholars, you will have noticed that when they asked him that question, for time they used the word chronos. It's where we get our word chronology. All right, so at what time, chronos, are you going to restore to its former state, its greatness, the kingdom of Israel? Now, their minds hoped that since the risen Lord had completed his redemptive plan. And if you and I could be there, we're pretending we're there today, why not? Okay, we had, we had heard Jesus teach that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He was going to die. But that, that just went over our heads. We've got these Romans who are making life miserable. We want the kingdom of Israel to be restored. Then Christ dies a violent death on the cross. He rises from the dead, and, and now things start clicking in our heads. He didn't come to overthrow Rome. He came to deal with sin. He conquered sin and death. He rose again. The plan of redemption is done. Okay, we get it now. So now that the plan has been done, Lord, it's time to restore the kingdom, right? Wouldn't we all be thinking that at this point? He, he could just stay and now set up the kingdom. We're waiting. But verse 7, we hear the Lord respond to them, It is not for you to know the times. He uses the same word. Okay? He's saying when. It's not for you to know when. And then he adds this, or the seasons. Now that's another word in the Greek that's different from the original one. Seasons is keros, which means the characteristics of that specific time period. It's not for you to know when or what is happening when... Uh, the Lord comes back, when the Lord is going to set up his kingdom. And he goes on to say, which the Father hath put in his power. 
So Jesus now is transitioning. He's helping them understand it's not for you to know when and what which the Father hath put in his power. Now this is where it really gets exciting. Stay with me here. That word power is different than the next use of the word power that we'll see in verse 8. Jesus is saying, which the Father hath put in his, and it's the word exousia, and here's what it means, absolute unrestricted freedom, the right to act in the way that he wants to. You realize that everything that has happened on this earth, including Jesus coming in the fullness of time, all that Jesus accomplished, all of that was determined by the exousia, the absolute unrestricted freedom for God to do what he wants to do. Power. That's what governs everything. That's, by the way, that's what governs our lives in accidents, even like one we reported earlier. Okay? Unrestricted. He's going to do, he has the right to do whatever he chooses to do. So Jesus here does not deny that the kingdom will be restored to Israel. He's not denying that. And I wish some of those in the reform movement would understand that God did not say he was done with Israel. No, he still has a plan for Israel. The fact that they're over there today as a nation, that's proof of the plan. And he has a separate plan for the church, and sometimes those two plans run parallel, okay? But he's going to fulfill his plan to restore a literal kingdom to Israel. But Jesus instead chooses to address the timing of what they are asking. Jesus had already prepared them and us for the signs of his coming. So earlier when we saw it's not for you to know the times of the seasons, all right? What circumstances are going to surround our Lord's return? Well, the Lord did give them some help with that. In fact, if you want to play, hold your place here, let's go back to Luke's gospel and notice what Luke shares with us in chapter 21. This was, again, all preparatory, Jesus preparing the disciples to carry out his work. But notice what he says in Luke 21. And I'm going to read a longer passage of Scripture, but he, Jesus taught this beginning of verse 7. Okay, And again, they're asking the same question. Master, when shall these things be, and what signs will there be when these things shall come to pass? He said, Take heed that ye be not deceived, and it shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall... Uh, and, uh, the time draweth near, go ye therefore at, go ye not therefore after them. So, one of the signs of the times will be people claiming to be Christ. And the time is near. That's what they're going to say. So follow me. Antichrist. What else will happen? But when ye shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Then said he unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. Great earthquakes shall be in various places, and famines, and pestilences. Fearful sights, and great signs shall there be from heaven. 
But before all these, they shall lay their hands on you, persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into the prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. And it shall turn to you for a testimony, be an opportunity for you to be a testimony. Verse 14, settle it therefore in your hearts, not to meditate before what ye shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay or resist. And ye shall be betrayed both to parents and brethren and kinfolks and friends, and some of you shall they cause to be put to death. There will be open hostility in families. Some of you know about that. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But there shall not an hair of your head perish. Wonderful. That's, that's an eternal promise. In your uh, patience possess ye your souls. And we sh when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of, the, uh, of it depart uh, out and let not them that are in the countries enter therein too. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to them that are with child and them that give suck in those days. But there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon his people. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles, the time of judgment of the Gentiles, be fulfilled. And there shall be signs in the sun, the moon, the stars, and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. And we could read on. So did the Lord help to prepare them for what's coming? Yes, he did. But you also have to remember that a lot of this has happened all through church history. Jesus said in the last days, he told uh, through Paul to Timothy, perilous times would come. Do you know that all through church history, it has been a perilous time, and all through church history, these are the last days. So he's not saying, I'm not preparing you for what's coming. I, I don't want you to be ignorant about what is going to happen, but he's saying specifically, the actual time. The Father knows that. You need to just trust Him and stay busy for Him while you wait. Have you heard of or known of any date setters in our lifetime? Every time they set a date, I go, oh man, it's not happening that day. <laughs> no, the Lord could have, make it happen whenever He chooses to. But nobody knows. Nobody knows except the Father. And so we read on here. The Lord has something more important to share with them. Look at verse 8. But ye shall receive power. Now again, I want to pause for a moment. Look at the word power in verse 7 and the word power in verse 8. They're different words. This is the word for dunamis. This is the word dunamis. And you've heard this, it's where we get our word dynamite, all right? It's might and the ability received from 
another source to accomplish the work. So let's think about a stick of dynamite. Now this is one thing that a preacher can never use a live illustration, though it would be effective, okay? Contained in that little tube is might, power. Now when that tube is put in the right place, it also has the ability to accomplish its work. And so I've pointed out to my children, as you drive across this country, sometimes you'll be going through mountains and, and the highways, and you can look at the stone walls on either side, and it looks like somebody chiseled tubes down in those, in those rock walls. What is that? Well, that's where they drilled and they stuck in dynamite. Why? Instead of just chipping out all that rock, they let the dunamis do the work. It just blew the rock out of the way. They scooped it up and hauled it off. And so what we're being told here, this great power, but ye shall receive power. Where is the power coming from? After the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now that word, or the reference to the Holy Ghost, takes us back to, if you believe the Trinity, and it is true, God is, a, is three in one. You've got to go back uh, again to the previous verse where we're told, which the Father hath put in his own power. The exousia is exercised by the Trinity to produce dunamis through you and I, when the Holy Spirit moves in, and then he says this, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. In other words, empowered for this kind of service. I love being able to compare scripture with scripture. When Jesus did his earthly ministry, did he do it in power? Well, absolutely. Pastor Brown was reminding the children in Bible school he could raise the dead, make the blind see, cause the lame to walk. That's power. And all I had to do is touch him or speak to him. Done. Okay. So that kind of power, but how did Jesus do it? Well, when he came to earth, he set aside the free exercise of his exousia as God so that the Holy Spirit could work the dunamis through him. And guess what? Jesus is promising now, you're going to be able to be witnesses for me. As I was a witness to the Father, you're going to be witnesses through me, through the same power that I had in my earthly ministry. So you'll be witnesses unto me, empowered for this kind of service, sent to bear witness of who Jesus was, what he taught, and what he did. Now here's the good news too fellow disciples, fellow believers, we're not called to make this happen. We're called to be witnesses of Christ. Amen. I'm so thankful for that. I get to witness to others about who Jesus is, what he taught, and what he did. And that's our responsibility. Say, well, I, I get discouraged. I talk to people and nothing happens. You mean you did what God called you to do. The what happens is what he does. Now, we need to go forth yielded to him, 
prayerful, asking God to work, and, and we have promises. If we go forth weeping, bearing precious seed, we'll doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing our sheaves with us. But remember, you're just a herald. You're just delivering a message from the king, and he's given you his power, resurrection power, creation power to do that. And so he says, you're going to be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. Think of this, any place on earth, any place where the Lord takes you, you have power from heaven through the Holy Spirit to accomplish that work. Now that, of course, is only for those who have admitted to God their sin and received Jesus Christ as Savior. And in fact, the work I'm doing this morning through the power of the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit works in your heart, is to try to help you uh, accept my witness of Christ that you need to be saved. If you're not saved, you need to believe on Him today. Now. Not wait, but now. And, and again, part of that is because we don't know when Jesus is coming back. You say, well, I'll, I'll do it when I'm ready. Now you better do it now because you don't know when he's coming. All right. And so, witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part of the earth. Now let me just, let's step back away from this scene on top of the Mount of Olives for a moment and understand what the Holy Spirit just did for us in, this, in, in, uh, in what Luke is writing here. What Jesus spoke here actually becomes the outline and the actuality of the book of Acts. We could say it, the, uh, the course of events. Okay, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part. Think about the book of Acts for a moment. Did you know that the Holy Spirit is going to show us the powerful work He does through the disciples completely yielded to Him just with the structure of the letter of Acts? Here's what I mean. Witnessing in Jerusalem. Do you know that's the first seven chapters of the book of Acts? And it's pretty powerful. Thousands are saved. Thousands are saved. That's Acts 1 to 7. Witnessing in Judea and Samaria. That's Acts 8 to 12. Again, a powerful work of the Lord. And then, witnessing under the uttermost parts of the earth, that's Acts 13 to 28. So what Jesus commanded the disciples to do, <clears throat> they go out to do that through the power of the Holy Spirit, and you and I get to read the perfect record that in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost part, God did it. And it's a testimony for us to say, okay, I live in Chesapeake or Portsmouth or or wherever here in Hampton Roads, or I don't, I'm not even from here, I live somewhere else, but I'm a Christian, I'm indwelt by the Holy Spirit, guess what? The book of Acts is a testimony of what God is wanting to do through you if you'll just be a witness. Be a yielded witness and watch what God will do. Now what happens next wasn't expected by the disciples. And as we're standing there, it catches us off guard as well. 
Though Jesus had predicted it, remember back in John 14 and verse 2, I go to prepare a place for you. Well, they never sure went... When was that going to happen? Maybe it happened while Jesus was in the grave for three days. All right, he said he's going to go prepare a place. He's risen. He's back. All right, so maybe that's already been done. He said, I'm going to go. He also said, remember, it's needful that I go away because when I go away, I'm going to send another comforter, the Holy Spirit. And he told him about that. And this will encourage you teachers. These are grown men. He taught it and went right over their heads. So you teachers, oh, can't wait for school to start in September so I can teach kids and it'll go right over their heads too. Okay, no. That's why you have to repeat yourself. Jesus repeated himself. He had predicted, I'm going away. But, but they're all sitting there, they're listening to the Lord's teaching and all of a sudden, there goes the teacher. I wonder, as I'm... As I'm on this mountain with you, I wonder if they're looking around saying, are you, are you seeing this? There goes the Lord. Wow. When they had spoken these things, verse 9, <clears throat> while they beheld, in other words, they're all eyewitnesses, and now they're seeing this same power that he talked about demonstrated. There he goes. He was taken, literally lifted up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. That's interesting language. What, is, what Dr. Luke is saying is that the cloud took under him, literally, appeared to support him up out of their sight. He begins to rise. Here's this cloud and this cloud cloud, it looks like, propels him. And, and, and by the way, they're watching and watching until he's out of their sight. I don't know what the cloud cover was that day for you pilots, all right? But they watch him and watch him and watch him until he's gone. Now put yourself there. And the text helps us understand <laughs> This is exactly what's happening, verse 10. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up and out of their sight, they're gazing. In fact, they're so intently gazing that two men show up in the group, clothed in white. They don't even see them come up. So they've got people joining them, and they, they don't even... They don't even know that that's happening. And the silence then is broken. Two men stood by them in white apparel. Now, this most often is a reference to angels in the Gospels. Nothing here in the text leads us to believe otherwise. So they're gazing up, verse 11, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The, the mood, if we can say that, is broken. And then the angels gently remind them, <clears throat> this isn't final. You have work to do, but take heart. This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come, and you ought to underline this in your Bible, in like manner as ye saw him taken up into heaven. 
Now these words, especially the reference to Jesus coming back in like manner, must have encouraged their hearts. The Lord had effectively, completely trained them, prepared them. And now as that settles in, they get this word of encouragement from these angelic messengers, this same Jesus, who you saw go up, yeah, he's gone. Is coming in like manner as you just saw him go up. So he's, they're saying the manner of his return would be just like his going away. Now, what else do we know from Scripture about the like manner? And again, as Christians, this should encourage us. Continue to be a faithful witness because he's coming in like manner. And it could happen any time. Jesus told them, you, you don't know the, the time or the season when the Father is going to have me come back. So stay faithful. But when I come back, here's going to be the fashion of it. First of all, if it's in like manner... Believers will be received up into the clouds. That's right. Believers will be received up into the clouds. Just quickly go over to 1 Thessalonians. You'll remember this text. It's what Paul uses to remind these Thessalonian believers that you know, some foolish teacher was saying, Jesus has already come back and you've been left. I've never quite figured that out because that means the foolish teacher was left too. Why would you be saying that? Yeah, and I got left too. All right, no. Here's the promise. 1 Thessalonians 4, look at verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall, be, shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the what? Do you know it's the same language what we see in Acts when Jesus was caught up in the same manner. To meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So here, here's something real exciting this morning. The disciples, they gazed up. They watched Jesus. Do you know you and I are going to get to do that too? Now, it's going to be a whole lot faster. Okay, It's going to be in the twinkle of an eye. We're going to all be changed. In fact, it's going to happen so fast, uh, I'm not sure we're going to see the clouds. Or it'll take us a moment to understand really what just happened here. But it's coming in the clouds. Secondly, believers will receive the same glorified body as our Lord. Philippians 3.21, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. John the Apostle adds to his testimony to this truth. 1 John 3 and verse 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Wow. A glorified body. Next, believers will come back to earth at the same location on the Mount of Olives. Revelation teaches that, but let's go back to the Old Testament. Ezekiel talked about it, but most specifically, Zechariah, the prophet. God spoke through him, Zechariah 14 and verse 4. 
And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof towards the east and towards the west. And there shall be a very great valley. And half of the mountain shall remove towards the north and half of it towards the south. When Jesus comes back after the great tribulation, we're with him. He's coming back to the Mount of Olives. And when he sits down on the Mount of Olives, the scripture tells us he's going to sit down and that mountain is going to split right down the middle. By the way, geologists tell us that, you know, under the city of Jerusalem, there is a major fault line. Jerusalem's known earthquakes, but when Jesus touches down, it's all going to come apart. And when you study what's happened over there, I, when we take trips to the Holy Land, I always, we kind of joke about this as, as God's people because the Muslims have bricked up the Golden Gate, the Eastern Gate. They know this prophecy. They believe it. So they've bricked it up to keep him out. Those bricks aren't going to keep him out. So he's going to split that open. And he's going to march right into Jerusalem with us. And he's going to take the throne of his father David. It's rightfully his. And he's going to start his thousand year reign. And he'll establish the kingdom of Israel. Thousand years. Nothing of the glory uh, or or, or the glory of of David and Solomon and, and Hezekiah. These kings, Josiah, all that God did through them, the glory they had, none of that can compare with what's going to happen when King Jesus reigns in Jerusalem. It's coming, folks. This same Jesus, which was taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. So let's conclude. The disciples walked down that small mountain that day. They'd seen the Lord ascend. They had heard the word of angels. And they're not discouraged. I don't believe they were sad. But with hope that they would see their Lord again soon. And with a mission to fulfill. Listen carefully. The work would be empowered by the Holy Spirit as they witness to the saving work of Jesus Christ and also waited for his return. There's no question about what God has called you and I to do, what what he's called us to be, witnesses as, as Christians. And he's empowered us to do it. If I'll just yield to him, pray to him, trust him, and then step out by faith to open my mouth, to witness, to follow his will. And if I'm yielded to him, when I take that step, he infuses me with grace enablement to do whatever he has called me to do. And that power is not something I'm trying to muster up inside. It is the very exousia of God who determines all things. And it's his power that I get to serve him with. I'm sure they still had questions as they walked down that mountain. Right? They hadn't had the Holy Spirit. 
What's, what's this going to be like? He's told us to wait, to pray. He's going to send his spirit. What? You know what? Listen, you and I don't have those questions. I think we've got it better than they had it. Well, but they got to see Jesus. We get to see Jesus. Whom not seeing, we still love, as Peter said to the believers he wrote to. All right? So we have all we need. The questions have been answered. We have the complete record, except that we wonder with the apostles when the trumpet will sound and when we'll be received up. That's, that's the only similarity there. We still wonder when is Jesus coming back. But we have the same mission. We have the truth. We have the Spirit of God. Nothing should be holding back the church. Nothing. Again, this week, past week, we got to see a taste of His power as we yield. And what a joy it was to serve and to see God so this message has really been a look at the final preparation of the witnesses. Now listen carefully. Say, Pastor, I'm still not convinced about the power. I, I, maybe God does that for others, but does God really do that for me? Does God do that today? I hope I have everybody's attention. Do you realize, sitting in this auditorium in Chesapeake, Virginia, 2021, as blood-bought believers and dwelt by the Holy Spirit, do you know that you are the powerful fulfillment and evidence of what those disciples were told on that mount? Did you catch that? Oh yeah, 2,000 plus years later. Here we are. And we're indwelt by the same unchanging God. We've got the same mission. And if we'll yield to Him, abide in the vine, we can be as fruitful. So let's take this to heart. And let's be faithful. We have no reason to hold back. Let's pray. Lord, Thank you for this text. Lord, thank you that we've been able to take this trip with the disciples through the eyes of Scripture. Lord Jesus, see you ascend. Thank you that we are the powerful proof even today that what you said is absolutely true. And Lord, we're here today because some witness took the gospel, shared the truth with us, or printed a Bible, printed a tract. And Lord, we, we believe the witness. We know that witness is true. And thank you for saving us now in the uttermost part of the earth. But Lord, with all these great contacts with Bible school, with all of our neighbors around here who need to be saved, Father, there is much work to be done. And we do believe that our time to do it is short. We just need to be witnesses. You've given us the spirit. You've given us a mouth. And as we yield, we need to proclaim. 
So, Father, help us to recommit ourselves today to you for this purpose. In Jesus' name. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and God's Word has had an impact on your life, as together we strive to show forth the path of life.